This is episode number 60 with the hitting coach at East Valley High School, Craig Hyatt. You probably already know Craig if you were on Twitter by all of the awesome gifts that he makes, which is a short video clip of a hitter um, just a few seconds long. He really, really emphasizes in this episode how much he uses PVC pipes when working with some of his high school hitters. Um, He has some great exercises, some things that I didn't even really know about. I've been using PVC pipes for quite some time with hitters, and I think it's really, really helped a lot. So he also gets into a little bit of his background. He coaches three sports, not just baseball. And he also says he doesn't really say too much to his hitters during games, which I think is interesting because sometimes we can overcoach some players. Um, This episode is brought to you by Blast Motion. Blast Motion is the best bat sensor on the market right now. It can track um, bat speed, how long you're on plane for, attack angle, time to contact. I'm the hitting coach for the Lima Locos in the Great, uh, Great Lakes Collegiate League. And we are using blast motion sensors every day. Uh, My players have already started to make some changes in their swing um, in regards to what the numbers have said when getting the feedback from the sensor. So make sure to head on over to blastmotion.com and type in PJB25 for $25 off in the coupon code area. So hope you guys enjoy this episode with Craig Hyatt. We are now live with Craig Hyatt. Craig, I'm not sure if you're a Seattle Mariners fan or not, but um, disappointing news on Robinson Cano out there in Seattle. Yeah, that is unfortunate. Um, it's interesting how they had D. Gordon there already to go for for that spot, <laughs> and I think that worked out for them. But, uh, you know, they have a lot of offense this year, and they're an exciting team. Um, obviously, they're going to be better with Robinson Cano. But, yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, are you a Mariners fan? I oh yeah, of course. So um, I lived through the the '95 Mariner Edgar Griffey deal. That was a uh, that was the highlight right there. Hopefully, we can recapture that sometime soon. Well, I mean, there's there's some good pieces there. I know Felix is getting a little bit older. Um, I know. See, Ichiro, he might make a comeback again. <laughs> That'd be nice. Well, yeah, Felix has been here and he stayed here, and it'd be nice to, uh, you know, get him into the playoffs and and give him what he deserves. So he's been a loyal Mariner for us and been outstanding for years. So it'd be nice to get him in the playoffs and give him a taste of that. And yeah, that'd be that'd be fantastic if we get back to that feeling of what '95 was. That's a long time ago now. <laughs> now, did you grow up in Washington? Yeah, I have uh, Central Washington, Yakima. Uh, been here my whole life, yeah. And then in high school, I take it you played baseball, and was it your dream to play professionally as well? What? Yeah, um, yeah. I would. It was always your dream. I think you know I had an older brother, and I would go watch them play, and and he was about three, four years older than me. So I grew up just wanting to be him. <laughs> I wanted to play, you know, the teams that he played for. And, no, I, I went to a, my dad took me to a college game. It was a Wazoo game. And I remember my biggest feeling was, man, I just want to do that. I want to be a college baseball player. Um, obviously, everyone want, wants to be a pro, but I would watch those games and, and just try to emulate what they did. And I wanted to be really good at the moment. And uh, yeah, my, I think my focus was just following my brother and playing on the teams that he was playing on. And and then I really just, I really set a goal of just getting into college. And did you fulfill that? Well, yeah. So it was interesting. So um, I was a catcher and I started out, I thought I was, you know, progressing pretty well with that. And, and I was getting kind of good. My junior year, though, in football, in the playoffs, I was on an outside blitz and I ran into a pulling guard and Apparently he lifted more weights than I did or something because he, <laughs> he wiped me out. We went down. I dis- dislocated my shoulder and just tore, just tore everything, tore, tore the capsule, tore the, the rotator cuff. And so my dreams of, you know, being a catcher, I was a pitcher also. Um, so that was pretty much uh, shattered, literally shattered. And so I kind of altered my focus 
um, of doing that. But then I think my my goal was even stronger because I was kind of told I wouldn't play again. And so I was determined to fulfill the goal of playing in college. And I was able to do that, but the route was a little bit tougher. So I ended up moving, you know, moving to first base and trying to learn infield, and I couldn't throw it all. I never recovered from I mean, I recovered to about 75%. And, um, moved to first base and, and played. It was kind of cool, though, that that year I sat out and I was able to return my junior year and we got into the state championship finals. So that was that was the positive of that. Um, and then basically I got hurt again. I was never hurt before that. And I think every every after that surgery I had, every year I was hurt. I went broke my collarbone my um, senior year and basically just walked on to the local community college, uh, Yakima Valley Community College. And I walked on not even uh, healthy enough. I had a broken collarbone and my arm was still injured. And they let me try out and I was made the team, ended up playing, um, played two years there. My sophomore year, we went to the, the NWAC um, championship lost that unfortunately by a squeeze bunt and then continued on and played at Central Washington University, which is an NAIA school. And so, uh, you know, I'm very proud that I was able to kind of fulfill that. Um, it was not at the level maybe I'd want to, but um, I had a lot of great experiences and good memories from that. What did you major in in college? Um, I ended up becoming a teacher. So I'm a health and fitness PE, uh, health major and a PE minor. And I've been teaching at a middle school for the last 20 years now. Have you ever thought about going to high school? Uh, Yes, I have. And I've been asked to do that. Uh, It's funny. I I think the middle school kids are my people. (laughs) You know, uh, I think they're... And when you're teaching health, they're right on the border of, you can really influence them, I guess. Sometimes you get them in high school and sometimes they've made up their mind already too much of what's going to happen. And I like trying to get those middle school kids on the right track before they get to high school. And I enjoy doing that. Yeah, that, that's why I asked because um, I coach with someone who, who, like you, teaches at a middle school and... I asked him the same thing. He was like, no way do I ever want to go to a high school. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, in middle school, they still listen to you or try to a little bit. and It's fun because I actually teach sixth grade, seventh grade, and eighth grade, and they all filter through uh, through me. So I get to see these kids for three years in a row. So I get to see them develop and, and get to know them. And, and so I, re- I feel like I really have a uh, an opportunity to make an impact because I do see them three years in a row. Sure. And I've coached, uh, I coached football, middle school football and middle school basketball all 20 of those years also. Wow. Uh, which has really kind of shaped the coach that I am because I've been able to pull experiences from, um, from, you know, football and the movement in football and how coaches coach and, and how they practice and then basketball and, but what I'll do is I'll get them for football in the fall. I'll get, I had eighth graders, uh, football in the fall. I'll carry right over into uh, basketball with them. And then eventually they come up and play high school baseball for us. And, and so, you know, I'm getting to know these kids for, you know, six years, seven years. What, what have you learned um, from just being a coach in all three sports? Like, what have you learned um, is a good method to teach players? You know, so from football, uh, we developed something. I like the pace of the football practice. I like how they script things. In fact, we even developed, um, you know how they'll script their first 20 plays and, and you'll practice that, you know, before yeah. a game. And, and they'll run, so they'll they'll purposely – you know, pick an off, offensive play and then a defensive play and kind of script it out and see how that works. So we developed for baseball, we kind of scripted um, a 10-play situational deal where the our, our coach or head coach will be at home play. I'll be at third base, and I'll run – he'll run the defense, I'll run the offense, and he will call a bunt – we're all call a bunt and he'll call the bunt defense. And sometimes we'll purposely, you know, it'll be, they'll call a bunt defense, but we'll, then we'll hit and run 
or will steal when when they're in a button defense. So it's all scripted. So it's like play one through play ten. There's an offensive play, defensive play, and we try to mess up the kids on purpose and create the situations that might come up in a game. Um, and we kind of I took that from the football mentality of let's pair certain things on offense and defense and really force the kids to get into game-like situations. Um, instead of sitting there going, okay, we're going to do bunt one, bunt two, bunt three, and, and they know it and it's predictable, we'll set up that script situation. So we'll, we'll bunt, you know, runner at first, they'll move to second, then it's first and second, then, then we'll go first and third, we'll do our first and third defenses. And so it's all scripted out. Now I've kind of, I pulled that from football, um, Basketball, I think, um, probably just the movement, um, different movement drills and the pace, um, the practice plan, how it's just, you know, it's go, 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 go. So I've been able to pull some some different things into baseball and, and kind of liven up baseball or give suggestions to how to do that. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. yeah in, uh, it's funny you were going, you were saying bunt defense and obviously you're on Twitter and all of hitting Twitter is, you know, never, ever, ever bunt or anything like right. that. Right. Um, what's, do you guys bunt? No, we don't. Okay. So, so, <laughs> so I do the hitting and my deal is it's kind of funny. So we don't, we practice bunting once and just kind of say that we did it. <laughs> so, so our, our head coach is, you know, I need to appease him a little bit, but mainly on the third practice, I just put the machine up on high and we were practicing bunting, but really all I wanted to do is get their eyes to, to <laughs> kind of awaken to the speed of the velocity of the machine and get some hand-eye coordination and bunt and, and put that together. So we, I think we bunted once. I, I think the kid missed it and then got a hit with two strikes. So the other teams in our league do bunt, so we got to practice the defense. Um, we do drag bunt. I'm all for dragging for for a base hit, but uh, no, you know we get really good at defending the bunt, and most of the teams that bunt against us, we're getting outs. They're giving us outs. Uh, we work really hard with our pitchers getting off the mound and throwing out the lead, um, overstepping the ball and throwing out the lead runner at third. That you know other teams are giving us outs. So what, what they're doing too though is they're they're really doing the slug bunts, um, and so we got to be prepared for that or the fake button run. And so yeah. our uh, the teams in our league do a good job of doing some of that stuff. And, and uh, our league is tough. In fact, we've had we just our state championship just happened, and our a team from our league has won the last four state championships. So uh, we have a very competitive league. When or um, what is the furthest you guys have gone in the tournament? We've got, we've had I gotta think of this now four, three or four final four appearances. We've been in the state championship and lost. Um, we always run into that you know that D one pitcher that's really tough and and our our league is um, it's pretty competitive and like I said recently. Um, we're a little bit of a smaller school, but we have some bigger schools in our league, and and our league is really competitive. It's it's unfortunate too because we're beating these teams in league. We almost swept both the teams that you know each year that that went and won the state championship. So we're really close. Uh, we've struggled just kind of getting through the playoffs a little bit. We've ran into some pitchers um, the last couple of years that have been really on. And and gave us a battle, and we've had some low-scoring games, and so it's kind of unfortunate. But we're doing a nice job. Of, we're progressing, and, and we're really close. It's just um, uh, like every year, we're trying to find something that gets us a little farther. But yeah, we've been in the finals. Craig, uh, I feel your pain. We uh, yeah. we just lost so yesterday think... in the final four. <laughs> What's that? We just lost. Uh, I coach a high school team in Cincinnati, and we just lost oh, yesterday. Uh... Um, it was the final four up at, uh, Huntington park, the triple a for the Indians. And, um, it was uh, one of those things where we hit the ball really well, but it was just right at people. And they had a freshman pitcher on their team, uh, went all seven innings. It's topping out at like 87. I was like, I mean, as a freshman, I was, I thought that was pretty impressive. Uh, we're pretty small school. 
Um, most notable alumni is Andrew Benatendi. So, um, oh wow, yeah. So it was it was a good experience. Um, if I guess if you're gonna lose, you know, you want to kind of I guess lose where it's just baseball. You know, they their hits were falling, ours aren't. Um, I'd like to get into a little bit kind of how you think um, high school or you should develop high school hitters. Yeah. Um, I've kind of, when the last three years, um, I've done things differently and, you know, I think before for, for many years, I think I've done a fairly good job of, of building hitters. Um, but it seems like we really hit well in the cage and sometimes we're not doing it on the field as well as I would like. So I've kind of changed my philosophy of challenging the hitters more, make it more game-like, um, we are now in a situation where we're, we're hitting an hour a day and we're focusing more on the field hitting where we have a machine and, and we're seeing the velocity and we're seeing sliders and, and curveballs and, and we're altering the, the machine with some angle toss and um, changing speeds, changing location and making the hitters compete a little bit more, challenging them and getting them ready more for the games versus building this pretty, pretty swing in the cage that, you know, it's not showing up on game game day. And what I've noticed uh, during our games is the last two, two, three years, especially the last two years, I don't have to sit there and talk about hitting with our guys. I don't remember last time when I had to say, you know, you gotta let the ball travel. You gotta. I, I, I haven't said that in a long time. Um, or you're early or whatever. Our guys have a sense of timing. Now it's really just okay. You gotta find the right pitch and you gotta get the right swing on the right pitch. And so through the training of that, I don't have to deal with it. And it seemed like before I was always like, man, your timing, your timing, your timing. And I think part of that was being in the cage so much. We have four full length cages and they're all split in half, so we can hit a lot of guys at once, but they were getting this too much. They were being overtrained in a half cage overhand one timing situa uh, situation. And it just was not transferring to the game. And so we've really altered that. And, and I, I think that's probably the main thing is preparing for the games more reduce a little bit more of the just the mechanical stuff in, in, in the in the cages and don't overdo the cages too much yeah I'm I'm glad you brought that up we've we've been talking a little bit about that um, as a coaching staff too and you know there were times this year where we would just rake in BP and I mean you know we hit 10 15 bombs which is you know really good in BP as a high school team and then in the game it just it wouldn't translate and um, I kind of thought similar to you that just after a while overhand BP it's just you, I mean do you really get any better I mean I don't know I mean that's and I'm kind of interested I'm glad you brought up that point of how you put the machine on the field and um, do you do that before the game as well no not not on game days but we have so we'll hit three days uh, on the field we used to have the machine in the cage and we'd tell them you know get to the machine and the kids didn't really care too. Most people don't. Most of the hitters don't even like the machine. So now we're kind of forcing it, and we we keep it on the field. Um, we're not doing it on game day. On game day, they're they have their own routine. We'll have 30 minutes, and we're not even hitting on the field uh, pregame. Um, it has to be in the cage. So they have their own little routine. Um, so yeah, no, we're not doing that before. What I've noticed though is. Getting out on the field, though, on those days and doing, like, front toss, um, just the kids seeing their ball flight has been huge. In fact, I went and hit with my uh, son a day, and there was people in the cage, and we couldn't get it. Normally, we, we would have gone in the cage. We went out on the field, and I'm just doing front toss with him. And he's hitting balls, and he hit more balls oppo today, and he hit them farther oppo. And he gets to see the distance. And he was having a lot of confidence and felt really good with his ability to drive the ball the opposite way a little bit farther. And then he was actually even hitting balls on the outside of the plate deeper to center field. I don't know if he would have got that feedback if we were in the cage. 
And so I like getting out on the field and, and doing that. So you think uh, hitting BP out on the field is, is a good thing versus being in the cage. If you're in the cage, you should use a machine. I, I think the cage is good if you're um, just doing some movement um, and you're not going full out. But there's a time where let's see if you can drive the ball. I mean, the fence is a beautiful thing, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Hit it, hit it through it, hit it over it, see how far you can get there, but do it under control and do it with good ball flight. Um, a lot of kids think they, they're hitting it well in the cage, and they, it, but it doesn't, and they get it on the field, and it's not going as far as they think. And so it's kind of a false confidence. I, I mean, the fence is not going to lie. It's there. I mean, it's there. <laughs> it's going to go over or it's not. In the cage, you're just up to, you know, you can tell everyone you really got it, but it might not have gone that far. And so I just think that the machine is better. You get the experience of being at home plate on your home field uh, and getting the full distance from the machine and then mixing that with some overhand BP and the front toss. In fact, in the summers, when I go work one-on-one, I don't even go in the cage. I'm out on the field. I want them to see the ball and where it goes and how far it goes. And when I work, you know, two, three, four, five times with a kid, if that ball is going farther and farther and farther, they know it. And if, if the spray, it's like you're picking up your own spray chart. You know, I'd rather, I'd rather go pick up the baseballs, uh, talk about the balls that were hit out there, have a conversation about the round that just happened. Um, talk about approach, pick up the baseballs, go back and hit again. I'd rather take extra time to pick up the baseballs um, and get them, have them get that feedback than sit in the cage and, and wonder if it's that good or not. When you're working with those players uh, in the summertime out on the field, do you do like uh, prep movement first, like PVC pipe work or medicine ball stuff, or do you just go right into hitting? No. So we do, we have this for our team in the spring we this year we got i don't know several was it three three foot pvc pipes one inch and we have this turf area um it's like the equivalent of like four cages so we will always go out on the turf and we'll take the pvc pipes and we'll always do movement it's like two to three minutes and at the beginning of spring i'll teach the drills with the pvc pipes and we'll build a dry swing PVC routine and or I'll teach a new movement. What I found in my favorite thing with the PVC pipes is not just, I like the one arm stuff. Um, and I like when they start swinging fast to get that feel. But what I really like is we'll back the kids up on lines and we'll do walking. We'll walk for, you know, 60 feet as they're swinging. So one round might be step behind. So it's step behind swing, step behind swing, and they're moving forward. And so they're getting movement and direction. We give them some direction, you know, cues. And they're swinging as they're moving with the PVC pipe. So they're getting the control of the movement with the speed of the PVC pipe at the same time. So we'll do step behinds. We'll do these, uh, we call them step and pivot moves. Uh, We'll do I we'll do some turners. We call them turners where we're doing a, a kick and we're kind of connecting the elbow with the knee and it really forces them to move forward and get forward. Um, some of the best swings I've seen this year actually is the PVC pipe swings doing turner drills as they're walking in lines going forward versus just stationary where they get a little spinny, uh, coming out the ball rotating too much. Going forward, they get better direction towards the middle of the field, and it forces a movement and forces them to control through the hips and everything in their posture as they're walking forward into these moves. I like that. I've never heard of that one. I use PVC pipes, but I've never thought of that. That makes sense, though. Yeah. So we'll stand. We'll stand. We get it. So we have 16 guys, and they all have their little spots. Um, we used to have painted plates out there, but I think the, those are faded. But they get in their little spots. We'll do one arm drill. We'll do a warm up, one arm drill. We'll do a, like a split grip hockey PVC pipe. They'll do their two arms. Um, 
I will do some kind of, you know, drill the day practice with something or anything that I think we need to work on. And then we'll back them up. And the last thing they do is these walking moves. And then they, they're, they're, uh, their heart rate's up, they're going. I mean, they're warmed up before they get in the cage. And so, what's great, too, is they'll go, so like the step behinds, they'll pick up the rhythm. So they're taking full-on, fast, three-foot PVC swings with movement at, before they get in the cage. Then we'll get in the cage, and then it'll be like front toss or tee, um, whatever we're doing that day, a new drill that day. Um, but we'll build a plan for them. We'll practice in the spring. I, I mapped it out. I think the first eight practices, there's two to three drills introduced. We have drills that we do just dry drills, and then we have drills for tees, then we have drills for front toss. And we go through in the first eight or nine days, I'm looking at it right now, eight or nine days, we're going through almost like 30-some different drills. And, and many of them are progressive and bundled together. And so they experience all that. And then from there, they pick their own drills. And so like their game day routine, they will pick what they think they need and I'll have a conversation with them about um, whether that's good or not. And so they're really taking accountability for their own development. They, they're finding things and addressing issues that they think they need, that they like, that, that um, allows them to feel what they want to feel, but also some corrective drills on their weaknesses. And so we kind of build that through the dry work with the PVC pipes and then getting into the cage, and then we try to take all that stuff, and then we, then we go out in the field, it's all game-like. So when you're doing the one-arm PVC, is that like a slow motion? You're kind of tracking your, your bat path slowly and then yes. forward all the way back as well? Yeah, we'll go slow, and then I'll, I just call them repeats where they speed it up. Once they, usually it's go slow. Once you feel like you have it, then you just speed up your tempo until you want to go faster. And then when you're, is it important when you're on the uh, field walking or doing the step behind PVC that you you're doing it on a line? So, you know, um, your direction. Yeah. So, uh, we have the seams, so it's like four strips of turf. So they're actually walking on these lines and it helps to maintain their direction and, and swing. So they're not coming off. And, And then we have some, you know, some things out in the landscape where I say, okay, we're going to swing in that direction. And that's what we're really working on. I mean, one of the biggest problems with kids is, I mean, they're just swinging off the ball. I mean, they're pulling, their swing goes straight into the dugout and it's, and it's in and out. And so the walking drills really forces them to control their movement with direction because they have that extra movement and the PVC gives them a different field than their bat. It's a little lighter. Um, Plus, they get to be able to swing fast and, and reinforce the speed of the swing. When you're doing the walking, is it are you just doing the step behind each time? No, I have a couple of different ones. It's step behind. We'll go step behind and or we'll go fast. We'll go different rhythms. Actually, I'll just tell them to make up whatever they want. Some step in front, step behind, some shuffle, some take, you know, go faster. They figure out and... Actually, that's really good to find out what kind of tempo they need. Um, I have some different movements. I'll do a step in. It's a pivot move. We do some higher leg kick on purpose moves. Um, we'll, we'll walk forward and step back and swing. Um, I'm trying to remember all these. But, we, yeah, we have different ones we'll do. Do you just kind of make up these drills, these PVC pipe drills? Like, do you uh, experience them yourself and then kind of I go? Do. Well, I do, and um, basically through all the video that I look at, I'm finding different moves that different hitters have um, that are unique. And basically through the clips that I've seen, I'm trying to recreate some of the stuff I'm seeing through these videos, through these drills. And half the time, I'm just calling it by the player's name. Whether, you know, we have a Batista drill, we have a Turner drill, we have a Cabrera drill and, um, you know, a Melot drill and <laughs> whatever else. It is, you know, the kids, it's a lot easier when the kids can associate a player with a move. I'll tell them to Google it and they'll, <laughs> they'll go look at it. Do you um, have them emulate a particular player or like a sign, I guess, say like I, you think I need you to like go study Miguel Cabrera and try to like 
imitate his movements or Batista or somebody like that? So I'll tell you, one of the coolest moments I've had just happened um, last night. In fact, I walked up to a kid. He, he's been one of our JV kids, and I watched him a little bit. I just haven't worked with him that much individually, you know. And I'm watching him, and I'm just I'm just, I'm thinking George Springer the whole time. And this kid, he swings hard. He just comes off the ball, but he swings hard, and he gets after it. He has a lot of intent, and he, and he wants to really hit. But he was just pulling off, and I noticed his foot, his back foot was staying in the ground. And, but his upper was kind of pulling him out of it, and so he was mishitting a lot of balls. And I just walked up to him and I said, listen, you're George Springer. And I, th- I said, do you know who that is? He goes, yeah. And I don't know how much he actually knew. He said he did. But I said, listen, George Springer does a really good job of this, this, this. How about you try this? Um, try not to rotate. Uh, and I said something about the elbow, his elbow. And it was like just an instant change in his swing. Just an instant change. I mean, he was hitting the ball like I've never seen him or, you know, even some of our older players. It was one of the biggest turnarounds. And, you know, like I said, all I told him, I said, you're George Springer. And I don't know what really clicked with him. I don't know. I told him, you know, take your hip straight to the pitcher and don't rotate. Just with a couple of cues and saying that, it was like I've never seen that big a turnaround that fast from a kid. And his eyes got, I mean, he was just so happy. It was, you know, one of those moments where you really see the kids uh, succeeding. And it's, it, it was a great, you know, hitting coach moment for me. Absolutely. When when you have kids who pull out like that kid, do you is that something you normally tell them to just take their back hip right at the pitcher and don't rotate? Well, more recently, so I've, you know, I've messed around a lot with the step back and scissor and trying to figure out what kids can do it and how it works and how to drill it. And I've also learned that just practicing that kind of move for kids that actually don't do it or who are far from it just makes their normal swing better. You might not see them do it, but it's keeping them on the baseball. And it's like, and, and that's, one of the biggest things, not even just for that level, but for everyone, just stay on the baseball, stay through it for a long time. And um, a lot of these kids, their bodies, it just goes, you know, these right-handed hitters, it's just everything goes left so fast. Um, and a lot of that strength, but also guidance and having some idea of really staying through it as long as possible. When you're coaching in games, um, I remember you saying before, you really don't talk about mechanics. Um, or do you, or do you talk about mechanics? Like I forget what you said earlier when you were talking about coaching in games. No, not. I talk a lot less. I mean, the kids will come over and ask me, you know, what happened, and usually I'll just talk about the pitch. Um, not too often do I have to talk about timing. But basically, um, my talking to them happens in practice, and because we have set up you know, the slider away and the hard fastball in, they know when they've missed it and they've know, they know when they've swung in a bad pitch. Um, really the only thing I'm talking about is, okay, what is the umpire calling? What do we need to lay off? What is the pitcher going to? What, you know, what pitches are you seeing? What can you look for next at bat and or uh, maybe some directional stuff? Like, hey, stay on it, stay on it. Um, try to, you know, get that ball to center field. He's staying away from you. See if you can drive one the other way a little bit. So a little directional stuff. Um, more of the what the umpire, if they're not calling up, we need to, you know, we need to lay off that. And then what the pitcher is doing with two strikes, what the pitcher is doing first pitch, and uh, is he staying away from us? And I'll ask the hitters, you know, is he staying away from me? Is he in? Um, what can you look for next time so that, you know, our third time around, hopefully we're getting that guy out of the game. Well, what I also really liked, um, I was on your page um, not that long ago, and you brought up muscle relaxation in the upper half, and I think you had J.D. Martinez and uh, who what, one other player. And is that something that you really stress to your players um, right before an at-bat? Yeah, I'm going to start talking about it more. I, I haven't said 
much about it, but J what JD does, um, I, I posted, I think, a practice swing too. But the fact that he's up there willing to, you know, close his eyes, visualize, take a deep breath, but the upper, the relaxation up in the upper shoulder so that you're not tense up there um, is just a great reminder for them to be relaxed, but it's also physically re relaxing you. Yeah, and the other hitter was Arenado. I mean, those guys are, what those guys are doing at the plate and, and um, their ability to stay relaxed and be smooth and clean to the baseball um, with rhythm and timing, yeah, I, I, I think it's just, it's fantastic what they're doing. And, you know, <laughs> I think I said, usually it's like, just, you know, stop doing all that stuff, get in the box and hit. But, man, this, these guys are throwing hard. <laughs> these guys are throwing stuff that's, you know, spinning everywhere. And we got to be able to quit, be quick and fast. And whatever you can do to make your body ready to go, I think you got to try to do it within the context of, you know, <laughs> heaven forbid, slowing the game to death. Oh, no, I, I love it. I mean, you see when players struggle, especially high school players, um, they're, they're so tight. They're gripping the bat so tight. Yeah. So I think it's a great technique. I'm, I'm probably going to steal that and, and try to relate to some of our guys. Yeah, and I think what has to happen is they need to practice it uh, in the cage. Okay. We'll do some heart rate stuff. Uh, the kids hate it, but I'll make them they'll, – they'll take a swing – run our first base jog, run in place, and then try to get into the box. And, you know, I'm saying, okay, breathe, uh, get your heart rate down. I mean, how many times do we foul a ball off that's close to being in, in play and we run out of first base and then we got to try to hit again, you know? And how many times do we hit a you know foul ball home run that we run down for and it's hard to regroup and get back in there and your heart's racing and, um, you got to be able to react and, and that stress response is, you know, it's high enough as it is. We got to be able to focus, relax and, and fire fast. How did you become about of, of making all these like gifts on Twitter and everything? <laughs> I mean, you're, you are a machine, Craig. I, I, yeah, I, I didn't, I don't, I think I stumbled into it. Um, I went and researching some stuff one day and it took me to Twitter. I think I made an account just because it was a new thing one time. And, you know, I thought Twitter was just something for famous people. And, and <laughs> I got on there and people were talking about hitting. It was absolutely incredible. And so I started listening and following people and, and they were making videos. And of course I have a little video background through, through teaching. I ran a, uh, we called it Bruin News, where we, you know, created a 15-minute video um, thing, like announcements for for our school. And I have a master's in integration and technology in the classroom, so I I have some tech background and I enjoy it. Um, so I started uh, making the videos and started doing it and enjoying it and getting better at it, and <laughs> it just Basically, what it was is I was making video for, for myself, trying to learn, and I would look up stuff, make a gift, post it, and I'm just posting stuff that I'm looking at and learning, and people ended up liking it, and so I kept on doing it. But it's it's a hobby, I guess. It, it's time-consuming. I, I, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm trying to balance the, all the coaching and the teaching um, but I've, I've now, there's a couple times I was going to stop doing it because it, it became too much. And, but I kept on getting these messages from people on how much they appreciate it. And I just figured I just need to keep on doing it, but I'm still learning. So it's, it's, I know I'm sharing and I know I, I, I'm hoping that people are, are learning from it too. And I think they appreciate it, but it's still too, I, every night I think I learn something new and I'm looking for, uh, you know, the next thing to learn and, and implement to get our guys better. So is it a situation where during class, when you make the, um, all the students take a test or something like that, then you're on your phone, like looking at Robinson Cano's swing? <laughs> no. Um, no, I try not to do that. But <laughs> I'm up early. I'll post, you'll see my early mo uh, morning post. Um, I think the East coast people probably appreciate that a little bit. Um, 
and then I'll do it in the evenings. No, the worst thing I'm doing in class is I have this broken golf club that I use as a pointer, but half the time I'm using it to practice my swing in the back of the classroom <laughs> with work. Sometimes they look at me funny, but that's probably the worst thing I do at school. So. Why, uh, how, I guess, how does making a, a GIF or one of those videos um, help you learn so much? I think it's, um, I've been able to kind of self-teach, I guess, myself, how the body moves a little bit. I have a little background of body movement, but just watching these clips over and over on a ball down and in, ball up, you know, a slider, how does a certain body type of a certain major league player, um, how do they move, um, what is the barrel doing, and just constantly and probably the best thing has happened for me is I feel like I've done a pretty good job with hitting over the years, but there's some things where I probably coach some players out of certain things. I have, you know, now I can say when I see a kid doing a certain thing, I can relate it to, I know, you know, well, this major league player does that. This guy does that. This guy does that. I don't have to coach them out of movements because I've seen all these variations of these major league uh, players and minor league players doing these things. So I, how I've improved is I've coached less and I've coached uh, players out of certain movements that are natural to them and to their body type. And now I have a reference from watching all these videos and, um, I'm certain that this kid can continue to do that because I've seen it and I've seen it at the highest level. If they can do it at the highest level and that matches his body type, I mean, we can definitely do it in the high school level and I don't need to coach him out of that. I just need to make it all work together and, and fit. When you say coaching like certain kids out of movements, um, do you mean like a stiff mover and trying to make them have a, like a loose stretchy movement? Yeah. Or, you know, like the kid that leaves, I have a kid, I have a kid uh, that's like 160 pounds. He's five nine. He leaves his back foot down. You know, ten years ago, I would say, "Man, you've got to turn that back. You got you got to get that foot." Like he just leaves it in the ground and he rakes. I mean, he out hits his body, and, and but he's just in the ground so well and rotates so well that I I I know I don't have to say a word to him because how he delivers the barrel, I don't have to like. Okay, here's a checklist. This foot, you know, the foot has to do this, or or this joint has to do this, or this body part has to do this. I've gotten rid of all that little, you know, all these guys are different, and, and the body works differently. If they can use their body to create enough uh, energy and force to, to hit it out of the park, I know I don't. I, I have validation now from looking at all this video that I don't have to do that. So there's, there's, not, there's no one particular movement that you think all hitters should have no 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 i think um i think i mean you have body types you have profile i think you probably could group i don't know how many profiles but i'd be interested in uh you know you, you can put guys in different categories and there might be movements that fit a bundle of guys um but no, I have guys uh, doing a lot of different things. Um, and like I said, I will usually now I'm finding guys that are similar to major league guys. And I figure out how that major league guy is using that body type uh, at the optimal le level. And then I will go back to that player and try to create that same thing and, and see if that works. And, you know, it doesn't work all the time. But yeah, I'm not. I'm looking for the player to get the best out of their body. And um, with the strength that they have and the speed that they have and, and the talent that they have, I'm not looking to change them into one way, but I'm looking to get them to get the most energy through the barrel uh, with their body shape, with their strength, with their movement, with their flexibility and mo mobility. And flexibility and mobility is... I, I think we're losing that a little bit with these kids because they're not as active um, at the younger younger ages like they used to be, and, and I'm running into a lot of flexibility issues. Just getting into a, 
a good posture to maintain that posture is becoming more difficult these times or, or these days. Yeah, that that's a good point. I mean, you can want a kid to, to move a certain way, but if they, you know, physically can't because they're so stiff or not flexible enough, I mean, it's going to be tough. Um, I wonder if all these uh, just exit velocities or, you know, getting exit speeds, all this data, you know, heavy lifting and everything um, has been a, is, is a byproduct of that. And maybe we need to emphasize, like you were saying, flexibility a little bit more. Yeah. So we build a, in fact, I got on our summer team because they got a little lazy and they went back to their old, uh, you know, run out to center field, stand in a circle, do some hamstring stretches and call it good. And I said, no, we're not doing that. So we built, uh, through our high school season, you know, a full routine where they're purposely bouncing on one leg and they're doing the hide-ins where you're jumping back and forth, um, jump squats. And, you know, it's our, our pre-stretching routine is actually kind of difficult. It's dynamic and, and they're doing little things. And, and we picked out things that will help them pitch and throw and hit um, through the hips and through the mobility through the hips and the spine and the balance. And we're purposely trying to uh, build in time where we can get better at that. We need need to get better at that. And one of the cool things, too, one of the things I liked is, you know, we were teaching some step-back movement and we were teaching some scissor movement. And uh, we did a drill where we were lobbing the ball. You know where you do the bounce drill in the cage and, and a lot of times people just use it for, like, off-speed or whatever? Yeah. We were bouncing it soft, but, like, not purposely throwing a strike. So we, we'd bounce it really short. And I said, you have to hit it no matter what. And so some guys, if they bounced it deep and harder, they were doing a step back. If they bounced it short, they had a run up and guys were doing a scissor. They didn't know they were doing a scissor or a step back. And I was able to see how they could move. And if it was possible and those moves came out more in that drill. And then I then I could tell them, like, hey, like, you look really good doing that. That's probably something you can incorporate into your normal. And um, they felt it. They understood it. And it was kind of their aha moment. And they were naturally finding moves that matched their body in the context of just trying to hit a ball without thinking about it. And then um, – you know, the light kind of goes off for me and them of how we should move forward with their body. Doing the step back drill, does that help um, some of your players who maybe go lunge and jump out at the ball? Because that's one of the, the things that actually I had a problem with as a player and can never really fix. And some of my players have it now is they're they're hitting off their front hip. They're hitting off their, their, their lead leg versus standing their backside. Um do you see that as well? Well, yeah. So I think it helps a lot of guys try to figure out how to get into the leg, but get into the leg properly and not leave it too soon, um, not push off too soon. Um, I didn't. I didn't actually know I did it. Uh, I did it naturally a little bit. Um, and a lot of guys that do step backs don't even know that they do it. A lot of guys are picking up their back foot um, and incorporating it into their normal too. But it does. It's just another um, – we will do a lot of different drills or create different movements and force them out of their normal to see if it's a possibility. And they're just getting different feels and, and understanding their body a little bit better through that. But, yeah, it's helping guys do different things. Some guys, I'll tell them not to do it. It's, it's not good for them. They're getting back, and they're just kind of getting stuck back. Um. It's also good to help them understand what the hands will do in that moment too and find out what their hands will do along with those moves so they can coordinate a little bit better. Okay, I got you. That that makes sense and it's I'm glad you just kind of uh piggyback on that a little bit cuz I'm I'm always looking for new ways to to help some of those guys out. Let me take you back to your the gifts. How do you how do you even make one? Because I've, I've heard that, like, if you make a GIF, it helps. Or I guess you were saying that, too. It really helps you pay attention to certain movements of the swing. And so I'm just kind of curious 
if I were to like you know watch Joey Votto here in Cincinnati, um, would you just take a video on your phone and put it in an app, or how does it work? So I have so I, I'm doing everything on a computer, um, and I I have a pretty good set. I have a uh, iMac computer, desktop computer, and there's an iMac app called GIF Brewery Three. And it's a screen grab app. And so I'll play video, whatever video you have, whether it's, you know, I'll use the MLB.com or, or the live game feeds on the computer. Or even if you have your kids video from your camera and you plug it into your computer and you want to make a gift or edit or slow it down or whatever. So whatever's playing on the, on the screen, I'll just record the screen. And then the app itself has... Um, converts it to a gift or an mp4 plus it allows me to edit so you'll see me you know stop the video um i can change the speed of the video uh, slow it down speed it up or whatever um and kind of you notice i do a lot of black and white i actually got that um doug lotto was talking to me about black and white video and able to see things a little bit better and i uh I once I did it once I know a lot of people were shocked when I went black and white but I, I started enjoying it and, um, so I'll change that a little bit um, and then I'll try to just try to get different angles and, and create different video and then it just saves on my computer and then I drag and drop it from on Twitter uh, through the you know just the web Twitter um, yeah, and so doing it that way. So I'm not doing anything on my phone. Um, it's all off the computer. How do you get the video to your computer? Like from, is it like MLB app or something? Yeah, so if you just go to MLB.com or um, I have the subscription, so you're getting all the games, MLB games. So I'm just watching live games and they'll play a replay and then I'll screen grab and put it on there. Ah, gotcha, um, gotcha. Yeah, I was, I was always curious about that. Yeah, and there's um, <laughs> there's a big debate whether people should be doing that or not. But um, I really think that kind of promoting MLB, and I think uh, I think they're going to allow guys like me to continue to do that and not get too uh, feisty with the copyright laws and stuff like that. Hopefully. Like uh, was that pitching ninja? Yeah, yeah. I talked to him a little bit, and um, I, I think I mean he's okay now, and I, I he kind of reassured me that I, that I hopefully will be okay. Um, he had a little bigger following than I do, so um, he got a little bit more attention, and and there were some other things there. But for now, like I'm gonna keep on doing it. If they want to put me in timeout, they can put me in timeout, I guess. <laughs> well, everyone else on Twitter wants you to keep doing, and you know, we all want you to keep doing it because it really does help a lot. I mean, it really does. It's something that I use to reference players um craig i really really appreciate uh the time today and i i know you said you were close to stopping doing them uh the videos um in the past but I, on behalf of uh hitting twitter I, we all hope you you never stop well i think thank you i appreciate that and and, and I, yeah i'm gonna keep on doing it um I, I try to show it in a little bit different way I, a lot of people are posting video i mean mlb is doing a better job i'm just trying to post video that most people don't see that are a little bit more helpful from more of a hitting perspective versus a fan perspective. And so I, I appreciate that. Absolutely. Craig, I, uh, I appreciate it. I hope, hope Cano comes back for your Mariners and, uh, <laughs> leads them to the world series. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome.